Hello and welcome to the Black Final Girl podcast. I'm your host, Clary, and this week we are going to be talking about X-2022. X-2022 is directed by Ty West, who is a mainly horror director. He's an interesting horror director to me personally because he has a very large body of work, mostly working in television and anthology horror, with segments such as Second Honeymoon in VHS and Segment The Box in the 3AM Project, along with the ABC's Death and it's from Miscarriage, but like of all anthology horror, you could probably skip the ABCs of Death. His television work is also mainly horror with shows like Them, The Passage, The Exorcist, and Scream, the TV series. RIP to three out of the four shows I just listed, you will be greatly missed. Prior to watching X, I honestly didn't know that much about Ty West or his directing style. I had watched the episodes that he directed in the shows that I listed before, and I have seeing Second Honeymoon, but I wasn't too sure on the things that make Ty West Ty West until I watched this and it all kind of clicked together. I realized with this movie that Ty West specializes in just dragging things out until like the very last minute. And I say this as a compliment because I was very much on the edge of my seat for a lot of this movie. This movie is also like 90% sex, I should say, and I was actually very taken aback. I know that it was kind of referred to by a lot of people as like the pornification of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I knew that it was about the porn industry before going into the movie, but I was actually like very shocked how much it is about the port industry, I guess, or how much it is about this group of people filming a adult film. Speaking of this group of friends and their adult film, let's get into the plot of the movie. It's 1979 and a group of young filmmakers, actors, actresses, just a group of young people are like, let's go film an adult movie in rural Texas Nothing ever goes bad in rural Texas in 1979, and the land that they're staying on is owned by two very, very old people, and when they meet these old people, things start to go awry at this little farm, it's a very big farm, at this farm in rural Texas. Also, before I even start talking about what happens in the movie, I need to talk about this cast. I'm going to talk about like the four main people, I guess you could say. This cast was incredible in my opinion. Even from like when I first saw the trailers and stuff, I was like a little confused. It is an A24 film and like if anybody can get the four most random people in a room together, it's the producers over at A24. But the main four cast are Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Snow, and Kid Cudi. For me personally, I understand that actors act and their job is to show up and to be a different person. But I was like, this is crazy to even think about these four people sitting on set together, much less like the conversations they would have. I understand they're also normal people, but the personas that they all have are very different, I feel like, from each other. So it was very interesting. But spoilers ahead, basically the story is that those four, along with like two white guys, I'm so sorry to the white guys, I don't remember their names, I think one is like Wayne, but they all go to this farm to film this adult film that they're calling The Farmer's Daughters. The movie starts off with the trope of the end is the beginning, you know, so we start off with like the police entering the scene. And they're like, oh, there's bodies everywhere. What could have happened? What went down? Whatever happened was crazy. And these are some sickos. 
We then jump back in time and we meet the group of sickos indeed. The sick freaks. The ones making an adult film. The reason that they want to make this porno is because it is 1979 and Wayne, he's the producer and he just feels it in his gut that porn is about to take off. He feels in his gut that people are ready to let go of their their fear, their religious shackles, the shame. Everybody is just ready to see boobies and butts. Everybody's excited to see it all. Everybody's excited to see Kid Cuddy slaying that thing around. So Wayne is like, let's go through rural Texas. I got a southern accent and I'm wearing a cowboy hat. Also, Maxine is the love of my life. And Kid Cudi is like, I'm Kid Cudi. I'm going to throw this thing around. Everybody's going to love it. Brittany Snow is like, I'm super southern. I'm a southern belle. I got big blonde hair. I'm going to talk with a little southern twang. And also Kid Cudi's my man, but... And Mia Goth's character is like, I'm also very Southern. I'm going to be wearing these overalls, no panties, just cooch on denim. I'm going to love it because it's 1979 and I do not accept a life I do not deserve. And Jenna comes in and she's like, I'm here because I'm a little bit of like, I'm a little repressed sexually and this is my man and he's the director of this adult film. And then her man is just there. I mean, that actor, he did great. I wish I could remember his name um, or even his character's name, but he was there and then he wasn't, you know? So anyway, after they do and say all this, they end up driving to this farm, the farm in which the farmer's daughters are gonna be farming. They meet the house owners. Well, they meet the first, it's a couple, and they meet the dude, his name is Howard. Howard is already coming through with an attitude problem. like. Wayne goes to the door and Wayne's like, hey, I called about your farm or your boarding house, whatever I called. Can we use it? I'm just here to check in. You know, very Airbnb moments, you know? And then Howard comes out of his threshold, like he steps over it with a gun and he's like, I don't remember talking to you. I don't know why I just did the Southern accent, but Howard is basically just like losing it. He's an old man. He doesn't remember this. But none of that matters because he lets them stay on the land and he's also just like super mad that there's more than two people in the group, which that's fine. If somebody books your Airbnb for two people and they show up with 10, it's it's clearly going to be a problem. But Howard gives them the rule of staying away from his wife, Pearl. And he also just is like, don't do anything weird towards Pearl. Don't let Pearl see you. Clearly Howard has a lot of issues with Pearl or clearly Pearl has a lot of issues. There's something devious going on in the back with these old people. This moment also kind of reminded me of that M. Night Shyamalan movie. The Visit. I don't know why I just said his name like that. But also I just realized M. Night also has a movie called Old. So clearly he knows something about old people that the rest of us do not know. But back to Ty West and X. Howard tells the filmmakers, the film team, the actors, the cast. Howard tells the adult film cast to stay away from his wife, okay? He's like, stay away from her, yada yada. But his wife isn't staying away from them so clearly it's a problem because miss ma'am pearl starts stalking mia goth's character and listen i feel like everybody has the same experience when they discover mia goth where like you start off you see her face and you're like okay interesting she's cool she seems like a cool girl then like you see her face a little bit longer and you're like wow she's very like distinct something about her and then like time goes on and you're like wow 
she's got something about her, like Mia Goth. And I think that's why the casting was also great because I cannot picture anybody but Mia Goth as Maxine. She's actually also playing Pearl in the movie. Like she plays the old woman and she will be playing Pearl in Pearl, which comes out in September. But all this to say, it's very true that Mia Goth has the X factor. So basically, Pearl begins to stalk Maxine all up and down this farm. At one point, she invites Maxine into her house for a glass of lemonade, and they start talking. Pearl begins to just talk about how she dreads being old. She wishes she was young and hot and looked like Maxine again. Basically, that's what she says. She says it in a lot more words, but that's what it all boils down to she wishes she was hot young looked like maxine and she wishes people were all up on her the way that them people are all up on maxine she also gets a little sexual towards maxine and all in all it's just a lot to unpack pearl's obsession with maxine is just a lot to unpack throughout the movie there's a lot of moments that you just kind of lay there like what are we okay she also watches maxine film a few scenes and she starts to like picture herself as maxine in a shot that tells you so much about the story it lets you know that this is a movie about beauty and about youth and about desire and about being who we need to be and about being free and shameless and most importantly this is a movie about anyways nighttime rolls around and the group are all sitting and talking about sex when Jenna's character is like, what is it like filming yourself having sex? What is it like making a porno and can I do a scene? Basically is what she says. Her boyfriend gets all up in arms about it. He's like, no, you cannot be out here doing this, doing what these girls are doing. You're not like that. Yada, yada, yada. Mind you, this man is the director of this porno. Like He's the one filming the adult film. He's the one making it a creative film and he's like, so great you know he's so great and he's so open to sex but now that his girlfriend wants to participate in filming the movie he's all of a sudden very different and has a very very different opinion this is when the film begins to kind of touch on masculinity a little bit more because in the group they are all couples like britney snow's character is dating kid cuddy maxine is dating wayne and Jenna is dating this dude. He's, she's dating the director. And the other two men throughout the movie don't really have an issue with being in the sex industry or seeing their partners in the sex industry. Because with Kid Cudi's character, he is also an actor in the movie, along with dating Brittany Snow, who is an other actor in the movie. The movie in this case is literally the Farmer's Daughters movie, the adult film. <laughs> so he has no issue with the idea that people are going to be seeing his girlfriend on film in these positions, having sex, yada yada. And his situation is a little bit different because he is also in the movie and it is also his body that is being shown all the same as his girlfriend's body, okay? Then we have Wayne, who also is a part of the sex industry. He is producing the movie, and he is dating Maxine, and he has no issue with Maxine being in the movie, and he also has no issue with Maxine having sex with somebody else. Because like I just said, Kid Cudi is sleeping with his girlfriend in the movie, you know? and Maxine is sleeping with Kid Cudi in the movie, and Wayne has no issue with that because Wayne 
and Kid Cuddy's characters are kind of meant to be this different version of masculinity where they're very secure in their masculinity. They are very sure of themselves and they're very sure of their partners versus the director. I think his name is RJ. So versus RJ, who immediately is shutting down Lorraine. That's Jenna's name. Wow, it's all coming to me now. Versus their relationship where he is like not into it he doesn't want her to have sex at all he starts basically putting down the other women saying that jenna is not all like them she's not gonna do like that stuff even though he was just all hip hip hooray about doing that stuff he was hip hip hooray filming these two women doing that stuff he's hip hip hooray getting money off of these two women doing that stuff but his girlfriend can't do that because in his mind and with him not being secure in his masculinity his girlfriend belongs to him and any other man can then come in and steal his girlfriend from him. Even though his girlfriend hasn't really showed any interest in Kid Cudi's character, and the thing that she is mostly showing interest in in this moment is taking control of her sexuality, or she doesn't really want to be seen as a prude. In this case, her idea of prude being the fact that she's not very sex positive up until this conversation. She's been very shy about it, or she's just been not into what the other women are doing at all. And now that she's had this conversation, and now that she's kind of hung out with them, she sees that in this case, these girls are not being in here against their will. They aren't being seen as these like sex objects they're kind of taking control of their own narrative and their own stories because these two women like to have sex and sex can be fun and jenna's character needed to see that she needed to learn that so she's come full circle and now she's like i want to film a scene i think i can do this i think i'm intrigued you guys have convinced me that my next step in life is to be in this adult film and her boyfriend just can't handle that he's not at all like wayne and cuddy he's just like Okay, he actually literally, after they film the scene, after he records her sleeping with Kid Cudi, he literally goes in the bathroom and cries. He sobs. And I just, like, I know <laughs> that this is not a funny thing. I know this is not at all a funny scene. But the laugh, I laughed. The goff, I goffed. The chuckle, I chuckled. Watching that man cry in that shower. And this is not saying that men can't show emotions. Please, they'll be sensitive. I was just talking about masculinity and how this movie kind of has a lot of... Not a lot to say, but it has things to say on masculinity and on men. I was just laughing because this man had the audacity to be acting the way he was before. So woo-woo, sex is great, sex positivity, but the second his girlfriend starts getting into that, he's sobbing in the bathroom. So after he has this breakdown of sobbing and of being like, man, my girlfriend just cheated on me, in his mind. He's so angry about the fact that she slept with somebody else that he decides he's going to leave. He's going to take the van. They all came here in one van. He's just going to take it. He's going to go. He's mad and done with everything because his girlfriend took interest in his life. That's all that this was. She took interest in his career and for some reason he just wasn't grateful that his girlfriend cared about what he was doing at work. But anyways, he grabs all the stuff to leave and he gets to the car and as he's driving off, boom, none other than everybody's favorite old woman, Pearl, is standing in the driveway. He decides he's going to go help Pearl because he sees this little lady in her nightgown standing in the middle of the night and he's like, ma'am, get out the road, get back to your house or whatever. And Pearl starts putting the moves on him. And this is another huge point of the movie is the fact that Pearl, she misses her youth, she misses being young, she misses being freaky. 
and this old woman wants to get freaky all the time she just misses being lusted after and being loved and so she's putting the moves on this guy and he's like no i really don't want you and i i I don't even think you guys comprehend how old she is. If you haven't seen the movie, this woman is old. Like, I'm not trying to be ageist. I know that old people be fucking, okay? And Pearl proves it. Pearl has let me know. There's literally a scene where she's combing out her hair and it's just so wispy. And like, you know that she's just an old woman and she's like combing out her hair and she wants to feel beautiful. And there's like scenes where I feel like almost sad for her because this old woman is wild. Like, she's just so old but she just wants to just she just wants it so bad all the time i'm just yelling at the screen pearl relax relax and she never relaxes because as soon as this man tells her no pearl comes through with the knife and she starts going in pearl is a whole different person now she no longer feels like this old woman that i was just describing okay she has vigor to her as she takes this man down just hashing and slashing and the cinematography got really great in this scene in my opinion like as she's down hashing and slashing and the headlights turn red so the whole and all the lighting around them goes red and it was just such a great aesthetically pleasing little scene little moment um but back to the main story after she kills this man jenna wakes up in a fright and she's like my boyfriend's missing where did he go did he leave us so she starts to like look for him and she gets wayne to join in and start looking too and pearl wastes no time in just starting her shenanigans again she wastes no time i don't know how she was able to get rid of the body and then like get back to the action so fast but she does because for some reason wayne when deciding to look for rj the director he decides he's gonna go out barefoot no pants just underwear and vibes to find this man pure vibes and he starts walking into the barn and of course while in the barn barefoot he steps on a nail one thing about me a nail and a foot is always gonna work i was screaming i hated this scene of all the scenes in the movie of all the gore in the movie his foot and that nail live in my mind rent free forever never gonna leave either way he steps on this nail and he starts freaking out he sees two holes and he decides he's gonna look in them because he doesn't know he's in a horror movie. If you're in a barn and you're not wearing pants, you're probably in a horror movie. Just gonna let you know. I'm gonna give you guys some advice, just a little bit of advice. In this life that we call a horror movie, if you wake up anywhere not wearing pants, it's already not that great. If you wake up in the middle of nowhere in rural Texas, on a farm with two old people, you don't have pants on and you have to go out into the nighttime, you're in the beginning of the horror movie. Turn around, go back inside, at least put on pants. At least put on pants because then your chances of death lower significantly. But back to Wayne, he ends up like looking through these little peepholes and as he's looking, Pearl comes through with a pitchfork and just shoves it through straight into his eyes and rips his eyes out, which is a little bit of a reference to something he had said earlier in the movie about how his adult film is going to make everybody's eyes pop out. And sometimes karma comes back with a kiss because his eyes gone. 
This is when the movie begins to kind of pick up pace, so I'm gonna also pick up pace. Howard the old man spots Jenna's character walking around looking for her boyfriend, and he flips the script on her and says, Actually, I'm looking for my wife, Pearl. She's missing. Why don't you come sit up in our house, and I'm gonna find your boyfriend, and I'm also gonna find Pearl. They're probably together or something. Your boyfriend's probably helping my wife. Whatever. She's like, Okay, old man, I trust you. Jenna, never trust old men. I'm telling you right now, Jenna, never trust old men. He locks her in the basement. That's all that matters. He locks her in the basement. In the basement, there's a naked man chained up. I'm not even going to talk about the naked man chained up. We're going to skip over him. Not important. He does not matter to the rest of the story. After Howard locks Jenna into the basement, he then goes to ask Kid Cudi for help finding Pearl because Kid Cudi was in Nam. I think he says he was in Nam at one point. But either way, Kid Cudi is a Marine. So Kid Cudi's like, once a Marine, always a Marine. Old man, I will help you. Even though the old man was in the army. I'm pretty sure they have beef. I don't know too much about the military, but I'm pretty sure they be beefing. No? Either way, the old man asks Kid Cudi for help, and he's like, Kid Cudi, come with me to the swamp to find my missing wife. I'm worried she drowned. And Kid Cudi doesn't stop and say, old man, it's nighttime. You're old and white. I'm young and black. It's 1979. I'm not going anywhere near an open body of water with you. Now, I can excuse walking into a barn without pants on and not knowing that you're about to enter a horror movie, but being in rural Texas and letting an old man ask you for help in the middle of the night and you're a black guy, if you can't see that that's the beginning of your own horror movie, well, good luck, Charlie. Kid Cudi ends up helping the old man look for his wife, and while they're in the pond, Kid Cudi finds a car submerged in water in a great little psycho reference. And before he can even process the fact that he just saw this car submerged in water, boom, he's dead. Not much else to say about that. Kid Cudi, you should have known. We're in rural Texas, 1979. While that's going down, maybe the most memorable scene from this whole movie, and probably the scene that made me realize I could not survive this, <laughs> this happening to me, um, Pearl decides she's going to climb into the bed with Maxine, and Pearl is buck naked climbing into this bed with Maxine, who's also naked. And Pearl is also covered in blood. So there's a lot happening, and Pearl climbs into Maxine's bed and starts feeling up on this girl while she's asleep. As I'm watching this scene, all that's going through my mind is I would literally roll over, open my eyes, see this old woman touching me in my bed, and I would have a heart attack. I would die. That would be the way that in this whole movie I would go. Is because why is this woman touching me? Why is she touching me while I'm sleeping? Maxine is stronger than you'll ever know for waking up and surviving that. She does wake up and start screaming bloody murder, which alerts Brittany Snow's character to run into the room. And Pearl runs out of the room because she couldn't believe that she was caught touching up on this girl. And like she was touching up on Maxine for a hot minute. Like she was all up on this girl's body in the middle of the night, buck naked, touching this woman. I, this movie actually gave me chills in the worst way. And moments like this are where I really realized, like, this is Ty West's style. He really likes to drag out certain things that I don't really want to see. I really didn't want to see this old woman touching up on this girl in her sleep like that. And it happened for a long time. There's another scene involving Pearl, Maxine, and Howard later on that also I was like, Ty West actually has it out for me because this is also another thing that I would never want to see. And that's also great commentary on, like, sex and people and shame and all that because I sure wanted to shame these two old people on this bed getting it on while Maxine's trying to survive. This happens way later. It's kind of important to the plot, but kind of not. I'm just bringing it up right now to say Ty West 
count your days. Count your days for making me watch that. So after Pearl skedaddles from the room, after touching up on Maxine like that, Brittany Snow like finds her by the swamp and Brittany Snow's like having this little conversation like, it's okay that you're scared, confused, and old. I'm young and my grandma has dementia and I'll help you. I'll help you find your way back. Pearl took offense to this because Pearl hates Brittany Snow. She's not Maxine. She's not Mia Goth. Pearl is like, you're not the hot one. Die. And pushes her into the swamp. At this point, everybody is dead except for Maxine and Jenna. We're also nearing the end of the movie, and at this point, Jenna has tried to escape the basement a few times and has not been successful, and Maxine was just under the bed while two old people were getting it on, so she's also gone through something very traumatic. So Maxine goes to try to escape. She finds the van, but she also finds that RJ's dead body is there and the keys are missing. Maxine, being the final girl, grabs a gun from the glove compartment and she stalks over to the house. As she's in the house, she finds Jenna and she like frees her from the basement. Jenna is pissed that she was brought here and she blames Maxine for all of this happening. And boom, she's dead because Howard was coming up the driveway, I guess. And he saw her, he shoots her. My girl Jenna is gone. She let out a perfect scream though. She came through, she said, I'm gonna be the scream queen. Thank you for the crown, goodbye. And I respect her for that. I respect her so much for coming in, screaming, and leaving. Get that check, get out. Maxine, who just saw her get shot, like hides in the corner. And then Howard and Pearl start bringing the bodies around. They're like dragon bodies, whatnot. And in the funniest scene ever, Howard is like dragging Jenna's body out of the house. And Jenna has like a last minute life hiccup, death hiccup, whatever. And her body jolts, which makes Howard get a heart attack literally dies right there boom he just sits on the floor dies well he's like in the middle of having a heart attack and maxine pops out and she starts demanding for the keys and pearl is like help my husband he's dying he's dying and he's having a heart attack and maxine is literally like why would i care you just killed everybody i cared about why do i care if your husband's having a heart attack suffer and that's why maxine is now one of my top final girls because she really didn't care she then tries to shoot Pearl, but the gun that she's holding has absolutely no bullets in it. So Pearl tries to shoot Maxine with the shotgun that her dead husband just dropped to the ground. And in another hilarious scene, as she shoots the shotgun, Pearl blasts through the front door because of the kickback from the shotgun and breaks her hip. I thought the laugh that I let out when that man was crying in the shower was loud, but seeing this woman fly through the air after all that she's done to these people, I was cackling. But this woman, Pearl has the audacity. She's still laying on the floor begging Maxine to help her. Not even begging. She's demanding that Maxine help her because she thinks her hip is broken. Yada, yada, yada. At this point, we kind of get this character information about Maxine that I don't really think was important in the story. But the line delivery from Mia Goth was great. And the line in general was great. During this scene, Maxine is like pointing the gun and she's saying that she will not accept the life that she does not deserve. And she's saying this because in the background on the TV, a fundamentalist preacher is preaching about whores and thieves and how they're so evil, even though those are the people that Jesus was rocking with. And the words that she's saying are matching up with what the preacher on the TV is saying because gasp reveal the preacher is actually her father and he's preaching a sermon about how his daughter fell into this degenerate lifestyle because she likes sex now <laughs> which i'm laughing as somebody who grew up in catholicism which like if there's any religion that tells you that sex is bad and that you should have shame towards yourself and towards sex it is definitely the catholics 
And while funny and a little bit relatable, finding out that Maxine is the daughter of a preacher, a fundamental preacher at that, is kind of useless in the movie because it doesn't change anything in the story. You could still watch the movie without that aspect in it and you'll still get the same outcome and you'll still even realize some of the theories and the themes that the movie has. So for me, it's not really my favorite plot point or my favorite character thing that even comes up in the movie because while it does add that extra level or extra layer of religion and sex and religion and shame towards sex, it doesn't change anything new and there's a lot of other scenes and more context in the movie that definitely can key you in. And like that one scene or that one character thing is kind of my biggest issue with the movie. Because all in all, I really enjoyed this movie, and I really enjoyed the idea that it was this pornification of Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the surface level, because the movie felt a lot more deep, or it definitely changed for me the more that I watched it, or the longer that it went on. I know that I've already kind of spoken on how the movie is about sex, and sex is a huge aspect of the movie, but it's mostly about looking back on your past and remembering your youth and remembering that feeling of being loved and wanted and desired. Pearl's character throughout the movie is obsessed with Maxine because Maxine represents Pearl's past and she represents Pearl's youth and the times when Pearl had the X Factor. The more she looks at Maxine, the more she remembers how she looks right now in this time and in this age. That's why I think it was so great and so important to have Mia Goth playing both Pearl and Maxine. Yes, the movie is about Pearl and her need to get freaky on all levels because Pearl misses being this youthful woman who used to have all the male attention and she used to just have attention in general as a dancer in the 1920s. She's now missing that and she didn't realize how badly she missed it until she saw Maxine who is this representation of the X Factor, Maxine has it all. And she has it all at the time that Pearl doesn't have any of it. And one of my favorite things just in general about the movie X is that I came in after hearing so many reviews of people talking about how it's this movie about sex and it, it's the pornification of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I will never stop saying that. I loved that. Whoever came up with that, shout out to you. But everybody kept referring to it as this type of movie and when I sat down and finally watched it I came out watching a completely not a completely different movie there was definitely a lot of sex and it was definitely an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre but I came out with a different opinion on what the themes and the story was and about what the story was telling me than what I originally went into it thinking. I definitely thought this was going to be a movie about sex and just about sex but I came out with a movie about desire, youth, and beauty. Maybe even a little bit about exploitation. Just a smidge. Just a smidge of exploitation in there. I am a big fan of horror movies that on the surface might seem like they're not saying that much, but in the end they say a whole lot. And this movie was definitely one of those for me. I got great characters. I got a little bit of conversation on masculinity. I got a little conversation on exploitation. I got a little conversation on our past, our present, and our futures. I even got to play a fun game of references, which I didn't catch too many. I feel like there's probably more references in this movie than the ones that I caught, but I definitely caught the Psycho reference, the, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre references, and a little bit of a Shining reference with hacking through the door, a little bit of a Here's Johnny moment. 
A lot of these references to me felt kind of similar to A Cabin in the Woods, where all the references felt like they were just kind of winks to other horror movies and winks for the fans to pick up on, more than they were like really things that you needed to stop and pay a lot of attention to. I just had a lot of fun with this movie in general, and it definitely ended up being one of my favorites of the year so far, which is kind of shocking. I don't tend to put slashers too high on my list, but this one definitely was unexpected, and I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought. I also got to see a lot of Kid Cudi that I had never seen before, and that was a pleasant surprise in the middle of the movie. So I ended up giving this movie about four stars on Letterboxd. There are a few little plot points and plot holes that I feel like I didn't enjoy that much that took away from it being a five star, but this is the closest that a slasher that isn't from the Scream franchise is ever going to get to five stars from me. But those are my thoughts and opinions on X 2022 directed by Ty Wes. Let me know your thoughts and opinions on the movie over on any and all social media at The Black Final Girl, along with any other movie requests. I will see you guys next week. Bye!